Good morning. It's lovely to see you all here this morning. Good morning to those who are watching online. I think it's, has it been recorded? Or is it going out live? Let's go out later. So you can watch it again later on if you want. There you go. Just in case you miss any of it just now. But it's lovely to see you here this morning um, and to welcome you here into church. And I hope and I pray that as we gather, that you are blessed by the gathering. We've been able to worship, obviously, over the months that we've not been together in our own homes and things like that. But I think as most of us realized last week as we came together and sang for the first time, that actually there was something really... I'm just trying to move this out of my line of sight because it's right in the middle of my glasses. That's better. Um, I think most of us realized last week as we gathered and sang together for the first time in, what, um, 15, 16 months, that actually it was really special and really moving. There's something special about being able to come together and worship. Our call to worship is up on the screen, is it? Yep. And I invite you to say the words in gold. Beloved, we are called to love one another because love is from God. We are called to extend the love of God to all people. We are called to proclaim God's love in all that we say and do. Let's worship together and sing our first item of praise, 10,000 Reasons. And I'm trying to think what the first line of the song is. I can't, it's gone. The title's 10,000 Reasons. You'll recognize it once you hear it. His holy name 
Let's come before God in prayer, shall we? Father, we do. We come to worship, to worship your holy name. You, almighty God, creator of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, former of us. For it's your hands, Lord, that took clay and shaped humanity. It's your word that spoke and brought light 
It's your spirit that hovered and breathed life into being. And Lord, it was you, your son, who came, born a tiny baby, who cried and who walked the life that we live, who lived and taught your love and died pouring that love out so that each of us might know it most fully and was resurrected so that we are resurrected with him into the newness of life with you, welcomed into your people, to your family in that one moment. Not now because of what we do, but then because of what Jesus did. And for that, we offer you our thanks and our praise. That's the reason we are here today. Because deep in the depths of our being, we know our need of you. And so as we come, may we recognize, may we see your arms open wide to us in welcome. For we don't welcome you here into the midst of us. You welcome us here into your divine presence with arms open wide, ready to receive us. And Lord, as we come, we come weighed down with the knowledge of the things that we've done, the things that we've said or not said, the thoughts that we've had which have damaged our relationships, for the angry words spoken without thinking, for our carelessness, and for the times when we think we have no need of you, when we go our own way, when we do our own thing, when we ignore your prompting. All of these things together, Lord, give us a heavy burden to carry. And yet, in your love, your desire for us is not to carry that. And so, in the quiet, may we take a moment with you, just between our heart and your heart, to unburden ourselves of the things that we carry which you have already forgiven us for. May we share the things that distance us from you with you now. Lord, as your spirit moves among us, may your peace descend upon us. May we know your forgiveness. May we know your love. And may that love move from our head to our hearts. May we be moved by your love. 
moved to love in return, moved to respond, moved to action. For Lord, that is why we come. That is why we offer our worship. That we might be moved to serve. That we might be moved to be followers of your way. Lovers of you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm pretty sure that we've all heard the phrase, if your name's not down, then you're not getting in. And maybe in these days when everything has to be booked, um, or where we have to leave contact details, even to go into a cafe or a shop, then those words, in a sense, have much more poignancy. But there are so many people in our country, in our community, in our society who don't feel welcomed or feel as though they belong or are worthy at a place, of a place at our table. And maybe there are some that we don't even think deserve a place. It's an uncomfortable thought, isn't it? Have you ever found yourself in the situation and thinking, what are they doing here? But who are the groups of people or the individuals that you think this way about, maybe? Or that you think we as a society exclude? Because I'm sure there are plenty, and I know that there are groups in our society who would say that they feel excluded. So who do you think the people are that are excluded in our society or community today? If there's somebody sitting next to you, have a chat with them about it. Um, It was good to hear the murmur of voices last week. There's maybe not as many people sitting with people today. So if there's somebody with you that you can have a chat with, that's great. If not, there might be somebody sitting behind you. If you turn around, there might be somebody close enough. Sandra, maybe not. You're kind of on your own down there. But I think probably most other people might have somebody near enough to them that Maybe Eric, not as well. (laughs) So you'll just have to hold your thoughts because I'll come round with the microphone in a minute. Um, So have a think, have a chat. Who do you think are the groups that might feel excluded by our society today? Or who have you excluded? And that might be a harder one to admit. So go for it. I'll give you a couple of minutes to chew it over, have a think about it, have a chat about it, and then we'll We'll hear what people think because I've checked with my health and safety advisor. And so long as I put a mask on and you've got a mask on, I'm allowed to wander with the microphone.
Right, what do you think? Oh, it works. I wasn't sure if work if you would still hear me clearly with a mask on. What do you think? Anybody want to volunteer what they think? Come on, don't be shy. I know it's a while since we've done this, but you don't need to be shy. Otherwise, I'll just come and pick on you. Thank you, Morag. You'll need to shout into the microphone. Pam and I feel there's still colour prejudice nowadays. Um, and I was just talking about our time in South Africa when it was apartheid and they were kept completely separate and I just didn't agree with that at all. Right, so there might still be colour prejudice. People of colour might still feel um, that they're excluded. And certainly you would see that in terms of um, the black rights movement and things like that uh, recently. Anybody else? I can tell all these months of not being in church has made you all shy. Thank you, Margaret. I thought that perhaps in the last 15 months we had appreciated how life was really difficult for a huge number of people. Mm -hmm. And we hadn't thought about it before. I hadn't, anyhow. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, you said about the disabled people, life was very difficult for them, and we did not appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it's been even more difficult in the last 15 months. Yeah. So, in some ways, actually, we have more appreciation now of different groups within our society and their needs. Okay, good. Anybody else? The front of the church are doing well. What about the back of the church? Is it a bit like the back of the bus? They can't sing. Uh, anybody? Any thoughts? You're all quiet. No? Oh, well. Barry, did you have a thought? No? All right, okay. Right, but there are, there are lots of groups in our society who still feel excluded. Um, and who maybe inadvertently, and without even thinking about it, we ourselves have excluded them over time, either as individuals or as a church. Over these last few weeks, we've been thinking about, it, about what it means to live as those... I'll take my mask off now, put my specs back on. Honestly, why oh, can't I do this? Masks, mics, and specs don't really, don't work. Bad enough having specs in a mic, never mind a mask in there too. Um, so yeah, over these last few weeks, we've been thinking about what it means to live as those who are empowered and inspired by God's Holy Spirit. What it means to live as the church. And really, in living that way, if we think about it, we're called to be mirrors of Christ. We're called to love outrageously. And so today we're going to think about what, what that looked like for the early church, for the early believers. And in thinking about what it meant for them, wonder about what it means for us today. So let's hear God's word as we continue our journey through Acts. And Ken's going to read for us this morning. Are the words up on the screen, Barry, from the reading? No, never mind. Ouch. 
Our reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts in Acts chapter 10, <coughs> reading from nice, excuse me, <coughs> verse 9 forwards. Acts chapter 10 from verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men went by Cornelius, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the, the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I, may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has, sent, has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God, to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, 
but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of the peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism from John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness and of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Amen. And may God add his blessing to this reading from his holy word. Off, did I? Hmm, don't know. Uh, thanks, Ken. Don't know what happened there. Um, so to get the full picture of what happens in that reading, we actually have to go back to the beginning of the chapter. And we need to meet Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, an officer in the Roman army who's stationed at Caesarea. And we're told right at the very beginning of that chapter by Luke, who writes Acts, in verse 2, that Cornelius and all of his family were God-fearing. They gave to those in need, and they prayed to God regularly. Now, Cornelius was a Roman, so he would have probably originally followed the pagan Roman religion. But here, we're being told that Cornelius actually has a faith and if we remember at this point, the early church is made up mainly of Jews who were witnesses to Jesus and believed through seeing Jesus and seeing the miracles that he did and what happened after his death, that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. And so in their eyes, in the early church's eyes, Cornelius, this Roman centurion, even although he has a belief in God, the same God that they do, Cornelius is an outsider. He's a Gentile. He's unclean, ritually impure. And he's most definitely an outsider in the community. But 
God is most definitely at work in Cornelius' life. In a vision which happens before we join the reading today, Cornelius has a conversation with an angel that God sends who tells him to send someone to Joppa to bring back a man named Peter. And when God finishes talking to him, Cornelius does just that. He finds two of his servants and one of his soldiers, and we're told he is also a man of faith, and he sends them to Joppa. Meanwhile, in Joppa, God is preparing Peter to receive these men and the message that they bring. But before Peter can even have a conversation with them, something needs to change because it wouldn't have been allowed. And so the vision that we read of, or that Ken read for us first in the passage today, happens. A vision of different types of food, probably brought on by the fact that Peter was hungry. But on the one hand, um, food that these good, God-fearing, kosher-keeping Jews would consider kosher or clean. And on the other hand, also the food that they would traditionally, and because of the law, have been told to ignore. And surprisingly, the hungry Peter is told by God in this vision to eat all of it. Something has changed. Remember last week the thought that God didn't dwell in the building, but in the midst of the people. Well, here in this passage, what we're discovering is just who that people might encompass. And what do we discover? Through Peter's vision of the clean and unclean food, all now being permitted to be eaten, we discover that nothing that God renders clean should be seen by people as unclean. So what do we discover? Just how outrageous this love of God is, because all are welcome. Everyone is in. This love that God has is all-encompassing. It's outrageous. None are to be excluded. All people to the ends of the earth through Jesus are now part of God's people. And God is in their midst. As Peter is about to discover, God prepares them for the arrival of Cornelius' men and encourages Peter to go with them. And so when the men arrive... They follow, Peter follows God's advice. First of all, throwing caution in the Jewish purity laws to the wind and invites the men into the house. Something which would have been completely shocking. It's lost on us just how shocking that would have been in a first century Jewish world. Before following them to Cornelius' house the next day. They would have shared meals together. They would have talked together. That would never have happened before that point. And when Peter goes with Cornelius the next day, after hearing the good news about Jesus, the group who are gathered in Cornelius's house, after hearing that good news that the Messiah has come, has died and was raised to life, the people witness the Holy Spirit coming among that Gentile community gathered in Cornelius's home. God's kingdom is growing. God's people is expanding. God's love is spreading, touching, healing. God is at work here, clearly demonstrated. 
leading the early church leaders in the direction that God wants them to go, to include those whom were previously excluded into God's family. And God endorses God's acceptance of those previously understood as unclean by pouring out God's Holy Spirit upon them. And so perhaps the question then for us to ponder in all of that is this. Who's more changed in that passage today by the Holy Spirit interrupting the proceedings? Whose life is more changed by God? This passage isn't about the conversion of Cornelius or the conversion of Gentile people. God has already been at work in Cornelius's life, and Cornelius is already a man of faith right at the very beginning of that chapter. Rather, in the midst of that chapter, it's the early church who is transformed. It's the early church and the leaders of it who are changed and shaped. As the Spirit moves among them, as they discern the direction of travel, their understanding grows and their minds are changed. And they discover more, much more about who God is and this outrageous love that God has. That it's enough even to reach out and welcome in those who had previously been seen as not doing it right or as outsiders. Those who had been born outside of the community, unclean, whom they thought unworthy or undeserving of God's love. And we discover that it's not up to us to decide who is in and who is out. Rather, God's love encompasses all. But then wasn't that what Jesus embodied and what, what Jesus showed in his lifetime? as Jesus welcomed all of those who were culturally unwelcome. When he permitted women to sit at his feet and learn, as he did with Mary in the, the story of Mary and Martha. When he touched lepers, when he embraced children, when he spoke with Samaritans like the woman at the well, when he healed Roman servants and hung out and ate with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus preached the good news of God's reign in which those who had been excluded would not just be included, but were welcomed, welcomed with God's wide open arms. And here's the early church following in the way of Jesus, learning what it means to love the unlovable, to love the untouchable, to love outrageously. And so what might that outrageous way of living and loving look like for us as a church today, the people of God today? We mentioned some of the people who might have felt excluded by us in the past, but I wonder if there are more. Who might still feel excluded from the family of God today? Who have we excluded because they aren't like us or because we think they don't believe the right thing or because they differ from us in the color of their skin or their politics, their country of origin, their language, their lifestyle 
or their economic status, their sexuality. Who are the people that we need to welcome? Who might God be encouraging you to open your arms to? Because it's not just about us as a church. We as a church are made up of individuals, living stones, as Peter later puts it in one of his letters. Who is God prompting you today to find within yourself the ability to love outrageously? What is God changing and transforming within us by the power of God's Holy Spirit? Let's reflect on that while our offering comes forward and we sing together Amazing Grace. Just stay seated. Turn off. Did I? Oops. <laughs> I must be going mad. Um, let, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the love that you lavish upon us, for a love that welcomes us in, that embraces us and enfolds us.
But we think of all of those all across our world who don't know of that love, who have never experienced that love for themselves, or who have felt it, but are so overwhelmed by the pressures and the difficulties of life that it seems somehow irrelevant. Lord, our world is a world so in need of knowing that love. And so we pray that you might use each one of us in our own lives to be the channel, the conduit through which your love is ministered to others. May we be known, Lord, by our love, for the love that we have not just for you and one another, but for all. We pray that your love would indeed touch our world. We pray for those places where there is strife and turmoil. And we particularly think of the Middle East. We pray for peace. Not just a token gesture, but long, deep, rich, lasting peace. Where each side wishes the best and prays for the best for the other side. So that there are no longer sides. May all realize, Lord, that we have far more in common in our humanity than that which would divide us. We pray for those in our own community who live in fear, in darkness in strife. Those who fear because of violence or abuse in whatever form it takes. Those who live in fear because there's more month than money. Those who live in fear, wondering where they'll find the next meal to feed their children. Those who live in fear of losing their home. Those who live in fear of losing their mind or their strength or their health. Lord, yours is a peace which we're told passes all understanding. And we pray that your peace might be known by all of those. Your word tells us that perfect love casts out fear. The two can't dwell together. And so, Lord, may your love be known We pray for those who are grieving. Grieving the loss of a loved one, whether it was yesterday or whether it was 
last year or whether it was years ago. We know the pain is real. And so we pray your peace and your blessing and your love would be known in the spaces that remain. We pray that those who mourn would would know and feel your arms encircling them, your love holding them, your strength filling them, casting out fear. Lord, each one of us comes today with our own thoughts, our own prayers, our own worries, our own fears. Fears over health and well-being. Fears over family members. Concerns. And so, Lord, in the quiet, in the company of you, We bring them to you and we share them with you. Lord, we share them in faith and the knowledge that you hear them and that you are moved by them. We offer them together with these, our offerings, as a token of all that we offer. For we don't just offer our money and our prayers, Lord, we offer our lives to be used in your kingdom, to be used for your glory, so that all might know your love. Encourage us. Strengthen us. That we might be changed and renewed. More able to live as your people. And we pray together in the words that Jesus taught to the disciples, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And it helps if your minister doesn't forget a word, a, a line of that in the middle of it, about forgiving our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, what's next? Totally out of the way of doing this in church. Him, that's what it is. 
Let's stand, let's sing. Um, a wee note before we go, uh, if you, when, after the benediction, if you remain standing uh, and wait for the stewards to tell you to go. Um, so you've got to stay until they can say you, you can go. You can't just kind of go. I'll go up the middle, but everybody else has to go out that door. And there's a wee system. So it'll be that side first from the back forward. And then it'll be um, the middle two rows alternately. And then it's this side from the front to the back. And we go out. Um, so let's stand and sing. I think. Yes. Definitely don't think any of us could reach those high notes after 15 months of not singing, eh? It's amazing how much um, you notice the difference in your voice. Go from this place, strengthened, and love outrageously. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit enable you, encourage you, and enrich you, dwelling among you today and forevermore. Amen.